All right, uh, inappropriate Earl. It's been a big week for us. We had uh, the great legendary wrestler Chavo Guerrero on, and he was awesome. Told some great wrestling stories. Uh, we've got some big name guests coming in, but today I'm very excited. You know, I often talk about the '80s, the Sunset Strip, because I was around it. wasn't in it, but I was around it. This next guest was knee deep in it. Because his band, the great Blackboard Jungle, was a big-time player toward the end of the strip, Sunset Glory days. But they were there. Please give it up, Mr. Britt Pinella. How you doing? I'm honored to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. Because there's not many people from that era who are still around. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, you, I mean, you guys, uh, it was, it, it's so hard to describe that era to people. It really is. It really, it, 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 it was just, it was incredible, man. There's, because there's nothing uh, around today like it. Just the scene, um, you know, Sunset now is like a desert. Like, I had a friend that said it was like heavy metal Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It truly was. Like you just, it... I mean, when I, I just, it, it was mind-blowing. I mean, you, uh, you know, Gazzari's is now One Oak, which is, I oh, think, Jay-Z's yeah. franchised, uh, let's just say, urban nightclub. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, the whiskey and the rocks here pay-to-play bands. That, yeah. You know, varying quality, and uh, the Viper Rooms, you know, hit or miss. And I remember, I remember Kim Fowley told me after... Um, he he named our band. He he taught me everything. And, but after Hollywood Boulevard got its big makeover, he said they're turning every major city after Times Square it had happened into adult theme parks with oversized sodas and so family friendly, and that it would eventually happen to the Strip. And it seems like it's happening. Well, I know. Uh, I think a couple of years ago there was a business article on the hotels of the Sunset Strip having. Uh, like a 95% occupancy rate. And ever since that article, you've had all these uh, chain hotels coming in and uh, yeah. you know, our condominium complexes. That's what the House of Blues is going to be now. And, yeah, uh, it, se it seems that my buddy Jamie, he's, he used to DJ at metal school when it was at um, the Key Club, whatever Viper. it was. Viper, Key Club. Key Club, he works at the Viper. He's a Sunset Strip legend himself. And he said that um, he feels that w what's going to happen is they're going to build so many hotels around here and keep just enough rainbow whiskey so that it's like little hard rock cafe-esque monument. So there's a reason that the hotels have to be there. Well, that's what I love about the rainbow is it, it's like the bar in Star Wars. It is the last man standing. Dude, I, I have friends. My girlfriend just hates me that I, I think it's probably the greatest place on earth. I don't think there's a place that I feel more at home and just like my mind gets blown every time I go there. I mean, I try and explain it to people and you just can't, you know, it's like you could sit in a booth and you could have an Axl Rose impersonator to your right and to your left is Axl Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's mind blowing. And, and of course, Ron Jeremy at some table. Uh, yes, yes. Trying to mooch French fries or something. I don't, I don't think Fig is there with his purple car and his cat or remember they got a monkey on his shoulder and his yeah no there's a cat on the shoulder cat on the shoulder with the, the and who we're talking about is paul fijan who uh used to be i guess his claim to fame was he was heidi fleiss's lawyer um yes. and he would ride around sunset and uh, santa monica boulevard in a purple stutz uh, he had a cat on his shoulder a live cat 
at all times, and he would, when I would see him, he would go to every table at the Rainbow, usually young girls, and uh, do card tricks. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he was a lot like, we, we would say he's like that, that guy, Kazoo. Remember? Right. In Flintstones, dum-dum. <laughs> you know, he's, I guess in the 60s and 70s, a huge attorney. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was uh, always around the scene, and uh, he would have these crazy, uh, I, I don't know if you'd call them after-hours parties, but... Uh, uh, up up the street from the, yeah. the, the, the whiskey, and it was mind-blowing because he would have chains on the refrigerator. Is that definitely not dude-friendly. Definitely didn't want a lot of dudes, but we'd obviously make it up there, and he'd have chains on the, on, on, uh, the cabinets when he would have it. It was so weird to me. But I could see you go, going there because you're in a big band, and you know, yeah. he, I think he liked having guys in bands around because he knew chicks would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, me, it was kind of like you know, I, I just you know, through word of mouth, got the address, and yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're right, definitely not dude friendly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I see him uh, still to this day, uh, but not as often as I used to. Well, we got some sounds coming here. Uh, got like three computers looking up information on you. Um, so let's get into your story. Okay. From Jersey. From Jersey. Grew up in pretty much Freehold, New Jersey. So and and uh, I would just sit and, and just study my, I mean, album after album. You know, the guns, the, the, the just just glam. I like Springsteen, obviously, being from there because someone had done it. You know what I mean? From the right. town. So that, that that's just like, Springsteen wasn't as much music as if you grew up in like a sports team. You know what I mean? It's just, and when I was a kid, I just... This dude that looked like Jesus was on the time of Newsweek at all the restaurants. I never got it. And in fact, I had a chance to meet him. But I was like, he's not kissed when I was in second grade to my babysitter. And that's just that guy that looks like Jesus. So I don't want to go. Was <laughs> kiss uh, like for, for me? I'm 46. Kiss to me was like the end all be all. Yeah, I'm 46. I, I mean, kiss was just, I mean, come on. I, I saw them actually was lucky enough in second grade. I got to go to Madison Square Garden. And the detectives opened up. I remember that. Oh, Just, wow. Uh, yeah. And, and my, my parents brought me. And um, people love this story. I went in my aunt's gremlin. And it was so, so much so larger than life that I was going that I put a Campbell's suit can in my satin jacket. And when, when they frisked me, they asked why I had it. And I told them because I was going to throw it at Gene Simmons' head to, to know that he was real. Because it was like, they were super right. I was really, as a kid in second grade, I just thought it was okay. I was going to impale the demon with the, the soup can in his head just to know that he was real. I thought that was my way of touching him. And it was like, that was the beginning. So they took away my soup can and laughed. Well, I'm still not sure if Gene is real or not. You know, just, uh, I have two good Gene stories. The, the last one was, I went to Vegas to see the Kiss show in Vegas. And, um he did his book signing and I went, I want my girlfriend to, to the, I, I'll, I'll send you this picture. I actually have it. And, and, uh, it's our turn to go. And for some reason, I guess it was one of his friendly days where kiss mini golf. And he looks at my girlfriend and he goes to me, how much for her? And I just, you can have her Gene. And she goes, you can have me. He goes, yeah, what's wrong with you? And they both, you're going to have to make up for this later, young man. <laughs> and That's we took, awesome. And we took the picture, and it looks like I'm photoshopped in because he's so with her, and I'm so to the side over there. Yeah, why? Well, uh, it doesn't surprise me that Gene would, uh, you know, buddy up to the girl or yes, boyfriend. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, how many times did you end up seeing Kiss? I mean, I've probably seen him 40 times. Oh, yeah, but, but definitely um, 
non-makeup kiss. I mean, we, we've done the makeup. I'm obsessed with non-makeup kiss. Like, you're hot in the shade over there. Right. I mean, come on. I mean, that that's just incredible to me. I mean, obviously, when I could play my instrument was non-makeup kiss. You know, I mean, yeah, non-makeup kiss. I love kiss, everything, but non-makeup kiss is just so much to dig into. And Chuck Klosterman, do you know who that is? Oh, sure. He wrote that amazing thing on... Um, the elder that just now this year the elder is just a whole nother thing to me i mean it's just which i think is one of their better albums from a, a technical uh yeah. oh God, standpoint yeah. yeah can you imagine being eric carr though and you're in the band you think you're getting in kiss and you're like this is the album yeah. you're making you're like wow i just is uh, you know uh, dynasty uh, yeah. uh, you know, love gun and they're like let's do a i think that was kiss trying to prove to the critics hey we can do a pink floyd the wall album yeah, because um, I know they had huge plans for that. They were going to make a movie on it, mm -hmm. uh, starring the kid. Now this is really digging deep into obscure references, but uh, if you ever saw the movie My Bodyguard, oh yeah, the ki the kid in that movie, uh, he was going to whatever the elder was going to revolve around. He just was just a boy. Be the star, he was going to be the boy. Yeah, <laughs> he probably was. And uh, so I always bumps me out that the elder just. Yeah, uh, whatever. It's just bad timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I it's mind blowing now. And then my funny Gene Simmons story that everybody laughs about when Blackboard Jungle was kind of at our height, and it looked like we might get a record deal. Brent Muscat from Faster Pussycat was kind of managing, producing, doing everything for us, and he was tight with Kiss. Gene loved Faster Pussycat, brought him on tour a few times, so he came down to our show at the Whiskey. And we played, and he I guess he thought we were good, and he called for me, summoned for me with Brent, and I met him. And he goes, young man, tell me why you're... And he, very Kim Fowley-esque. It's the same breed. Tell me why you're going to be number one in the world. And I was like, dude, it's because we mix Prince with... And he goes, stop right there. You will never make it because you use the word dude, and dude is a word of the past. And he walked away. <laughs> and that was it. Well, the words of wisdom. The word. He was right. I mean, we didn't make it. Well, but I mean, you guys, uh, I always liken Blackboard Jungle to uh, probably my one of my favorite Sunset Strip bands, Shark Island. Right, uh, right. And it's a compliment. No, uh, thank you. No. Like, it's like, why didn't these guys make it? And of course, everyone has their different version of what making it is. Right, right. Um, but I just thought that both you guys should have deserve better yeah well what was cool was well, well shark island obviously when i was in new jersey reading about these bands just frothing at the mouth i mean just it was like some fantasy land like uh, shark island was you know the person that influenced axel rose you know what i mean yeah. i mean i literally was in it was my senior year i'd had a lot of sunset strip but i went to see guns and roses instead of going to my prom at lemore's in brooklyn and I actually wasn't allowed to go, so I made a kid come over, my friend Joe Howard, and put him in my bed to act like my body because the guns were going to go on at like 2 in the morning or something. Right. Eventually, my dog found him, and I came home, and I was dead. But I went, my, I just literally said, I'm moving to California graduation night. It's just it. I'm going to Hollywood. It was just so mind-blowing because I wasn't into punk rock like DRI and Black Flag or cool you know, It just wasn't my thing. I like rat crew poison but just guns it was, it was just mind-blowing at lemores and i was like i'm going and it just it was just such a mind-blowing thing to see and yo I, I mean i remember uh i used to play hockey sunday nights at uh, the culver city ice rink and uh one of the guys it was a real ragtag group of guys playing and uh, one of them was uh, rocky george 
the guitar player from Suicidal Tendencies, and he somehow got a early uh, release of Appetite. Oh. And he, he put it over the PA system. You guys, he's like, you guys are gonna love this band. And I had never heard of them, but you know, and uh, I was like, wow, this is different. This isn't Poison. This isn't no, Warren. no. Uh, it was almost like because you were there. I, am I wrong to say they were almost a forerunner to grunge? I mean, they were so much different than the Poisons, the Warrens, the Britney Foxes. Like they to me were like the first end of the glam era. Yeah, I. I, I I really think, like, you're totally right. This is I will argue this to, to to the end of time that that record, if I mean, if Axl Rose blew his head off, it would have, Kurt Cobain be nothing compared to that. That record changed it all. And I've discussed it with many people from the grunge era. That, that, that I mean, that record just really just changed it. It nothing. It was real. Yeah, I mean, it was it was insane how good it was, and it just was like mind blowing. I mean, I remember driving by uh, Geffen uh, Records one day, which was, uh, I don't want to get too local with references for people who aren't from L.A., but it's basically uh, right before Sunset in Doheny, or was, and I remember seeing them stand outside, and I, they looked like five homeless guys, Yeah, and it was them, because I, I remember Steven Adler's uh, like blonde yeah. and slash of the top hat, and I was like... That was those guys. Well, I, I had seen, I'm sure you, you saw the same thing. We're the same ages. There was a RIP magazine, and they had a spread, and it was them in hindsight at El Compadre. And the singer didn't look like the singer, because Duff usually looks the singers were blonde, and right. this little red-haired guy. And I read about it, and um, Jamie and I actually, my friend Jamie, we, we were the guys in New Jersey into it, and I... I waited for that first EP. I remember my girlfriend said to me, my ex-girlfriend had come to visit me. She said, you have a deal. We can have sex or we can drive across the state to where your friend has that tape and tape it. And I said, we're driving across the state and taping it. Wow. And I got the live like a suicide. And I was so disappointed because it was good, but I didn't. it didn't really blow my mind. Right. Because the EP was out first. And then when Appetite came out, it sounded like there were nine singers. It was just like, I mean, I'm still not the same. I mean that, that that that's it's 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 crazy just how how it made me move to California. We all came out here. Everybody that was there was just you lived here. We came because of that band. Yeah, I mean it was because uh, it was so different than what was big at the time. You know, I think David Lee Roth was still fairly big, yeah. and you know he, that was you know when he would have the girls with the big tits in his videos yeah. and. You know, Rat was still pretty big, and uh, Bon Jovi, of course, was yeah. just mammoth. And then that Welcome to the Jungle video came out, and I was like, these guys look like, they don't look like Warrant in all white jumpsuits. And then they and then you'd come to Hollywood, and you'd be at Hollywood Western, and they'd be at a party. I remember being like, wait, they're, they're blasting Noriega out of the house with this these guys' music, and they're sitting in Hollywood and Western partying. And what always struck me, I was telling somebody, he's like, if you saw two or three of them in a room, the energy would just explode. I can't imagine those five or however many got in their 20s sitting there in Gardner Street just must have been insane. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I know we talked about Kiss a little earlier. I, I always read that Paul Stanley was uh, considered to produce Appetite. Uh, and I just can't imagine what that, you know, that's 87-ish. And that's right around the Crazy Nights era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine Paul Stanley working with those five guys. Oh, yeah. And, and well, 
what's funny is Paul Stanley, when we got produced by Brent, by Brent Muscat from Faster Pussycat, he did a really good job. He got us on click tracks, vocals, got our songs better. Our, our competition band at that time, do you remember Bad Blood? Oh, absolutely. Um, the singer of Blackboard Jungle was living with the singer of Bad Blood, and they were being produced by Gene and Paul. Okay. And you think that they would do better, but somehow they just killed their band. Just wasn't happening. And we're across the hall in Hollywood and Western, and Brett would be there till five in the morning, and Bad Blood would work with Kiss, and they'd like do a few songs, rearrange a few things, and then they'd go bowling at Jerry's Deli in the Valley. We would be there till five in the morning, just knocking it out. And it was just like you could see that the, it it they're pro- he's they're probably better with like a firehouse, something more polished or something right. like that. Some some uh, band that they could bring Desmond Child in to, uh, you know, write one of those pop, sappy Yeah, pop I mean, songs. I love Keel. I love Keel. Oh, right to rock. And yeah, come on. I mean, there was, was there, like, pressure? Like, was there a point? Because you guys, I don't want to say got there late. You could the say scene. what, oh, 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 dude, it, 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 it was obviously late. It didn't feel late to us. It felt exploding. Because you guys came out in 88. Uh, I mean, you started. I, I moved out here in 88. At 89, um, I'd, I'd read two names in the back, three names in the back of a lot of albums. One was Bridget Wright, who managed Jet Boy, Guns N' Roses, and we worked with her. Vicki Hamilton, who we never worked with, who eventually said some very nice things about Blackboard Jungle, which blew my mind, and Kim Fowley. Legend. I mean, you don't get any more. So I was like, I have to, we have to find these people. And, and trust me, like it, when I landed here, I remember sitting outside Gazari's like pulling my short hair looking at a picture of Burnett going can I do this <laughs> there's no how am I gonna do it and what's funny is our buddy Stevie I'd read about tough and just like tough were like genetically correct rock stars in rock scene magazine I used to work at Acme I would just look like oh man I mean look at this band the logo the whole thing was amazing and I was like oh I still got to go and try. And I met Stevie like my first night up on the strip and he was beyond cool. He was just, he was not fucked up. He was just like, like, like amazing. And we've been friends ever since. And he taught me lots of things. I didn't know what a proof sheet was. He brought me to the Tough Muff Mansion a few days later and just, he gave me a cassette. I remember it had Warrant Heaven on it, um, some tough songs. And he just really schooled me and gave me a good uh, push off. Oh, Stevie Rochelle. Now, full disclosure, I advertise on his site, Metal Sludge. Uh, I can't say enough nice things about him. And Yeah, he's great. You know, I would say, and a lot of people think I dislike Eddie Trunk, but uh, along with Eddie, probably the only two people who actively uh, still talk about a genre of music that, you know, people want to sadly forget about, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, there's not many people who cover you know rats latest album or yeah yeah you know steve stevens uh review of a solo album you know so it's uh a lot of love for stevie and eddie and uh, i stumped the trump last last year by the way well that's no easy task i stumped the trump with what 80s actor tried out for helix Oh wow! Mm. And Jim Florentine backed me up, and he he thought I was in it. Wow, that's tough. I, from Canada, obviously. Wow, that's tough. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Really? Yep. Wow. True story. I well, that that's I mean that's the eighties. Yeah, it, it's just incredible. I mean, it's just uh, you just open those magazines and things popped at you, and just like were just it was incredible. I mean, I just remember coming here and just seeing all the flyers and just the. Uh, 
the what was that Mark Anthony graphics? He would do everybody's oh wow, and right. it would just like blow my mind. And top were just like whoa, and then Pretty Boy Floyd were out then, and it was just like oh my god, it was just like it was like an ant farm of horny people in in a probably six blocks radius. From Doheny to maybe the comedy store. Yes. And it was just the girls, one prettier than the next. The guys, most of them looked prettier than the girls. And, uh, you know, this was before the internet. So if you wanted to promote your band, you had to hit the street. I got a great one. I forgot that we're you're, you're a comedian. So my first time here, Kenny came out here on vacation. The singer at Blackboard Jungle in 88. Easter vacation. We came out and we went to the Roxy and... Just to go see heavy metal bands. Luckily, Salty Dog and Junkyard were playing. We didn't know who they were. They were amazing. This guy's sitting behind us, and we're 18. And I think he thought it was we were nice, and he had videos. And I talked about his videos. Well, he liked us. And he said, you guys should come and hang out with me down at the comedy store. In hindsight, it was my friend Greg Workell, who was Sam Kennison's drug dealer and best friend. So the next night, he calls us. He goes, come to the, there's a picture of it. A metal sludge of me at 18 and Kenny with Brett Michaels and CeCe. And he goes, come to the comedy store. We go see Sam Kinison. After the show, we meet Sam because Kenny had seen it on HBO. And we go to this room in the comedy store. And it's, I've never seen a star before. Every star is there. Right, yeah. It's Slash. James Hetfield started barking at me, scaring at me. And this guy pulls me aside. It's Brett Michaels that you'll see in a picture. He goes, don't ignore him, little brother. He's just an asshole, blah, blah, blah. And everybody was there, and there's actually a picture from it on Metal Sledge somewhere. And uh, Greg ended up financing the whole Blackboard Jungle thing and really was our, our uh, big part of Blackboard Jungle. Well, I would guess that was probably from the sounds of it, the uh, main room, green room, which had a mirrored piano uh table yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah let's just say people would enjoy powdered refreshment and i didn't even know what anything was i didn't even drink or do anything then it was 88 i was just like whoa cc deville brett michaels oh my god slash is passed out oh billy idol yeah i mean that's another thing is like uh the the, the glam movement kind of was in sync with the comedy boom yes so you could literally go see you know guns and roses at the troubadour or uh you know, uh, well, Rat, I guess at that time was, you know, in arenas, but, you know, Warrant, and then go to the comedy store and see Sam Kennison, Dice exactly. Clay, uh, you know, and, and many others. So it was it was quite, uh, I don't think we'll ever have another time where you'll have two movements in the entertainment business popping at the same time. Yeah, and, and you could never have anything bubble under like that because everything's on the on the internet now, so nothing would boil. It was, it's, it's just there now, so nothing's going to boil like that. You're not going to hear about bands. Yeah. And then, well, I, it's like when I, you know, when Rocky played the Guns N' Roses, I'm like, who are these guys? And you couldn't go, you know, now you could, you know, I, people who are listening to this can Google Blackboard Jungle and go, oh, wow, here's a video on YouTube. Here's I can go on iTunes, get their albums. Yeah. Uh, you know, Back then, it was like you, know, you had to get Metal Edge or Rip and, and a month later read about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was crazy. I mean, it, it, it was just high octane. And you didn't know even when you're... And you didn't enjoy it when you were in it. It's looking back on it. You know what I mean? Oh, you sure. go, wow. I mean, when you were in it, it was just so overwhelming fighting for your place and 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 thinking that you needed a record deal. I mean, we we definitely got real close to having record deal, Big record deals at the time, small record deals. And it, it just didn't happen but you know what everybody goes oh well, well you almost did but 
I'd rather do what we did than have had a record not come out because that was also 80% of the bands. People forget that, the record that didn't come out. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, the band Wildside, you know, they had a uh, pretty big record come out in 91. They did a second record that never, Atlantic, just not. And they did some of that. It's funny that they were, they were in that circle of bands with us where someone offered us this song, um, Crash Diet, that I guess Wes Arkeen had wrote and said, you can have a record deal if you'll, and I was, no, I, I mean, I, I write songs. Why do I want to, I don't want to cover a song. But I think they ended up doing it, actually. Right. Um, and then I know, uh, this is, of course, 10 years later, John Kolodner, uh started Portrait Records, uh, you know, and he had Rat and Cinderella. And, uh, when they did all those reissues, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they were they did, good. Uh, they did reissues, but they also did, like, Rat did an original Not reissue, but it was, a, it was like a big movement. I was working right. in a record store early, 99, 2000, yeah. when all um, that, yeah. And then Cinderella did a fully recorded album, and I guess he didn't like it, and so it's never been released. And you know, it's like I, I, as a fan, I would love to hear all those unreleased records. Oh, and I, I saw a Rat with Carlos Cavazos maybe a year, a year and a yeah. half ago in Petaluma. Dude, my mind was just blown. I mean, you're like, I mean, as a kid, I'm sitting in the back of Meadowlands Arena looking at Warren D. Martini. Warren D. Martini is in front of me and better than ever. Looks the same. They were just killing it. I didn't. I, I realized they're better than one of those bands. Like, and, and uh, yeah, they didn't have the blots. They had Jimmy DeGrasso on drums, which I think added a lot. Well, I mean, now you have three rats touring, which yeah. is crazy to me. Like, Stephen has his. Uh, he calls it the Rat Bastards. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Blotzer has his Rat Experience. <laughs> now Juan, the bass player, has his version. Yeah, so there's like. You know, most people don't want one version of Rat in 2015. And they're yeah. my favorite band. Yeah, But yeah. it's just like, you wish these guys, you know, could just get along. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're able with Blackboard Jungle to keep the same dudes when we do the thing. But you just got to kind of know how to do it. You got to know who's, who, who what, what call. You know what a big thing is with Blackboard Jungle? And they'll listen to this and they'll probably die that I say this. Like, who shouldn't talk to who? <laughs> you know what I mean who should not make what call about what like I can almost be Switzerland that that people will call me you know and, and it all works out that they go through me to talk now are you and Kenny the uh, like the Gene and Paul of the band or is it all four guys have equal uh, I mean how does that work in a band I, I think it, it, it's all four when we when we were kids I mean the, the guitar player was incredible Dave I mean I didn't realize kicks, love, hate. Everybody was trying to get him to join. He had played with Andy McCoy before us. And he, so he's guitar star. I mean, that was the template. You needed a guitar star, <laughs> the front man, the songs, the the you know, the killer drummer. And Joel was a really good drummer that played for the songs. So we had a good template and everybody was down to work and move forward. You know what I mean? It, it was um it was good, but but uh Everybody did their part, but you could get stupid, you know, and you just had to stop from getting stupid. I mean, was, uh, in terms of your image, I mean, uh, certainly the late 80s were different than the mid 80s because, you know, mid 80s, you had bands like the Vinnie Vincent Invasion looking like drag queens. And was, was there like a, that was a weird time frame in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys make a conscious decision to like tough, not toughen up the image, but like, is that where arguments started? Like, hey, we should be glammier. We should be. No, no, no. The 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 image, our image. I mean, you always. I, it was funny. I was talking to my friend the other day, and he asked, "What do you think about Big Bang Babies?" The first time you saw them, and I remember going to the Roxy, and they had ramps and lights, and they looked perfect. I mean, 
I wanted to look that perfect. I wanted to have a wall of marshals. We just didn't. And in hindsight, people will say you were cooler because you played English Acid. You played the teaser. We only played those places because Dave slept on the couch with the girl from L.A. Rock Review, and she got us in those places, and Kim got us in places. It wasn't really that thought out. I think one cool thing about Blackboard Jungle that I think Allison Chains had and Guns had it's almost the misfit thing worked by the end. Right. Like, I don't think, I, I think guns were like, Axel was like, I'm trying to be glam, but I'm a biker. And it, like, I'm, I'm right. kind of Skinner. I'm kind of Hanoi rocks. And that's what we loved about them. And that, that was, was Alice in Chains. You know, they're originally sleaze and then they probably Soundgarden, and, and that mixture of it all was what was cool. But you wanted to be, I mean, I, if I could have looked as cool as Sebastian Bach, I would have wanted to, you like know what I mean? Me both. I mean, that's a good looking dude. Yeah. You're just like, you know, I met him in New Jersey, but Jamie brought me, was friends with some of the guys before they ever hit it. And it was like, like when they opened this door at this place in Staten Island and we met him, it was like, I was telling someone, it was like a genetically correct front man. Like the, the gods had just come down and, co yeah. you know, just made it. Just like a good looking guy, an amazing voice. Yeah. Just the hair. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was fierce. You know what I mean? So, so, uh. I think we just, you know, I remember, no matter what, you're in a glam band, you date some girl. I never dated a girl that thought my band was cool. She right. was like, oh, I like the guy in Gene Loves Jezebel. So then you, oh, I'm going to put some shit in my hair and look like the guy from Gene Loves Jezebel. I'm gonna, you know, so you'd, you'd kind of mix those things with what you, you know, what you grew up on and just, you know, oh, loving rockets are exotic and cool. I mean, because I had to learn Jane's Addiction, loving rockets, Hanoi rocks. Dude, I grew up on... Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen, yeah, just nothing too exotic. I didn't, right. I didn't, I remember seeing the name Iggy Pop in magazines, going, "What's that?" You know what I mean? It's right. like, so those crept in when I moved out here because you go, "What did, you know, what did Guns and Roses like?" You read, you you do your homework. What did Motley Crue like? Sweet, you follow the the food chain. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't think too many metal guys, you know, grew up with Springsteen influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, uh, it's usually like Guns N' Roses, like Hanoi Rocks, and I think Motley, Alice Cooper, and like early Kiss. and Yeah. So, in Blackboard Jungle wasn't just a glam band. You guys had like a, to me, I always, you guys were like a jack of all trades. Yeah, like, yeah. You play anything. Right, right. We there, there was a lot, there was, there was cool influences. I definitely, one thing, I mean, Springsteen, and, and, and I don't want to be like, like, the the glam rocker that thinks he's smarter than he is and oh I really wanted to be I, I love glam but I, I love two songwriters. I love Nikki Six because he played bass right. and wrote the lyrics and he didn't wasn't the singer. So that template kind of worked for me. And Springsteen, who in my in my high school years I started to really like enjoy maybe I started liking Tunnel of Love because my heart finally started getting stamped by women. It was the beginning and I could sort myself out through his songs. But he said, I want to play songs I can play when I'm fifty. You know what I mean? Right. Like like when I'm in my 20s, and he can. And I remember walking into British Imports on Hollywood Boulevard, and I mean, Nikki Six is my hero. I mean, he's on the Blackboard Jungle current shirt that we did for this, but it said, and I thought Nikki Six, Jim Morrison, same thing, which I still have, Nikki Six is one of my heroes, but he had wrote, Eat Pussy, Nikki Six, 87. And it was almost like a letdown, like, this is my guru. You know what I mean? I know he's into that, but like, that's all he's got to say, you know what I mean? Well, it's like, I was talking about this with a friend the other day. It's like, I love Kiss, but when I hear Gene sing uh, Christine 16 and he's like 60, talking about basically staying outside of a, you know, a grade school or whatever. Uh, 
Yeah. It's like, that's kind of creepy, man. Yeah, it almost makes it better, though. But you, you he, he, oh, well, given yeah, the current side, <laughs> that wouldn't help this court case if that went any further. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, you know, Winger, who aren't quite as old as Kiss, uh, singing, she's only 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or Motley singing, you know, a lot of their songs. Yeah. Fucking, you know. You're right. You know, it is kind of like. You know, I like Tunnel of Love. I love that song. Yeah. yeah. I love the whole album. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Springsteen seemed to always successfully change, you know, genres when he needed to. Like Kiss, sometimes to me it didn't work. You know, they would go Bon Jovi and then they'd come out with a grunge album. Yeah, yeah, Carnival yeah. of Souls, which yes. is a good Stone Temple Pilots album. But yeah. Springsteen always seemed to do it like... Didn't seem as selling out as like when Kiss would do it. Right. You know what's funny with Springsteen though, and he'll never know who I am, so I can say this. I don't know about that. Maybe. Um, so I follow his lyrics, and Human Touch and Lucky Town were really the last two records that he wrote about himself. I felt we knew about him, and his. You know, he was happy then. Right. There was one other song, "Girl, I'm in Love with the Girl in the Supermarket, and you could tell he's checking out at the supermarket. I know which one it was in New Jersey, and he likes the hot Spanish girl at the supermarket. You know what I mean? It's Springsteen. I mean, it's, it's right there. But that's he doesn't really write about himself that much, and it bums me out. I don't mind the sociological, you know, when he does it, it's great, but I wish I knew a little bit more about where he is in life right now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got to be, what, 60 now? He's 60. He His birthday's in September. He's, uh, I think, going to be 66. And still puts out amazing in, Amazing shape, amazing. But, but it'd be interesting to see where he's at mentally. He stopped doing that to me. Well, I mean, I, of course, you know, born in the USA, it was like almost Springsteen. Not selling out, but it was kind of a poppy... Uh, you know, keyboard. Like I loved it, yeah. And when you look back, I mean, it's 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 a huge. I mean, the the story of Dancing in the Dark was amazing. We almost we actually almost got signed by one of the producers that Chuck Plotkin in Blackboard Jungle, but his record company wanted him to stop producing Springsteen to sign bands, and he obviously said no to that. But he had seventy nine songs recorded for Born in the USA. It's crazy. And he he was he go and Chuck said you need one more. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. And he's like, he went home and he wrote this song. He started writing. He said, I get up in the morning. I ain't got nothing. I come home in the evening. He's like, no, I get up in the evening. I come home in the morning. And that was the start of Dancing in the Dark. And that was the last song for that album. And obviously it propelled it. And Well, just that Courtney Cox. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, his box set uh, that I bought is four disc and it's like it's the only box that were wow these could all be singles on your album yeah i mean he, he's amazing i mean like you know kiss's box set kind of left me a little limp yeah yeah you know it's like all right this it's all right you know they had a couple like old desmond child demo songs that were, right right cool to hear but yeah like, yeah yeah i don't know if this could be a number one single springsteen's was just like Every song is good. No, it's mind-blowing. I mean, he obviously was diseased by it at some point. He said he couldn't put down the guitar. I mean, he just couldn't stop. I mean, with Blackboard Jungle, uh, you know, you had a couple lineup changes. Uh, you know, guys, you know, because, you know, you came out here from Jersey. Certain guys came. Some didn't. Was that hard to, like, not, like, have a consistent... Uh, like, how, what would you say the classic Blackboard Jungle lineup? Well, once was? we got going and we're named Blackboard Jungle, um, we had had 
guys from back home play with us. We, we didn't have the name that we were originally a band called Filthy Ritz. Right. But when with Blackboard Jungle, um, Kim Fowley named us, that was pretty much the same lineup. Um, me, Kenny Price, uh, Dave Zink, who was from the Bay Area, who had moved down here, and Joel Patterson, who played with us. That was pretty much what I'd call Blackboard Jungle. Eventually, years later, Joel left, and we got Brett Bradshaw from Faster Pussycat, and uh, one other drummer. And I, uh, that was just, I, I call it the metal years. You know, we all have our confused years. Right. I, I mean, in hindsight, I love that Motley Crue record with Karabi. It's like one of the best records. Oh, yeah. But at the time, I was horrified. You know what I mean? But, but we all did. And I think our music from that time is cool, but we all had our confusion period. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, that uh, Karabi record gets shit on a lot. It's but, amazing. Uh, I mean. You know, it's just timing was that 94 and uh you know bands of that that's right when the boy bands were kind of grunge was almost ending the boy bands were kind of blowing up which yeah. i didn't mind the boy bands no no no. i thought they were very almost glam yeah uh, i got you yeah you know kind of like younger versions of you know bon jovi and right you know, uh but just the worst time in the world for a uh, metal band we, we were recording we had free time at a&m and we were recording down the hall from crew when they were doing that record so it was it was mind-blowing to just um see them you know just tommy lee nikki six wasn't there at all but we'd see tommy lee it was like one week and he'd stop in our room because this guy bill kennedy was producing us that had engineered some stuff for us it was just mind-blowing to meet yeah him. i mean it's just uh i think and especially with motley crew it the singer wasn't Vince Neil. I don't think people cared. Like, no, no, no. Which no. kind of sucks. This Karabi is uh, one of the most talented. Crushing, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really. I mean, you listen to Hammered, all that. You're like, whoa, it's just fucking yeah. amazing. And when he was in Rat, it's like the basically what Cavazzo is now, the rhythm yeah. guitar. It's like, wow, this that had to be rough because his voice is pretty good. And you're like, yeah. Maybe you and Piercy should switch out. He was in a band when I first moved out here that blew my mind, Angora. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was just crushing. I mean, he's always been crushing. And so talented. and just yeah. That's like the intimidating thing about just the entertainment business is when you see someone like him. I don't want to say he hasn't made it, but like it's like, wow, you should be, you should be a star. Like, yeah, yeah. And you see like Miley Cyrus, you know, yeah. bazillions of dollars. And it's like, damn, man. Right, right. No, it's it's crazy. I get there's so many obviously factors and stuff, but then you you know what are the factors? Like for you know Blackboard Jungle, it's like you guys were as good as any band around, and like I'm not trying to bring up bad. Oh no, no, no! Uh, you could totally like I'm, as a fan. It always you know like you mentioned uh, you know Axl Rose. Let's just say borrowed some of Richard Black's uh, stage moves and. You know, how does like Axl Rose become the most iconic singer or one of them of our generation? And Richard Black is probably working a real job. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it is amazing. Let's just take Blackboard Jungle out of the factor. Like, why something w wouldn't take like a rattlesnake shake who were you remember them with Jimmy Thrill or or, or the wild who you know Dizzy Reed was in and uh, or or Shark Island. And just say we're gonna give them a few bucks. Let's just put a record out, throw it in, see what happens. Because it will, and they'll give like. And I, I, I don't. I, I use this band as an example, and I'm sure they're great. But Kick Tracy, just like or Animal Bag. I don't right. know that. The, I don't know that those bands are good or bad. I don't really know that, and they probably are amazing. But like Slick Toxic, we toured with. Like, why do these? It just you wouldn't. It just it didn't make sense. But I think like Kim had every A and R guy in town down at our first sound check when we were still, as I'd say, in our diapers. So they had kind of you know, 
past then, but just things come up and, and, and it took a lot of people to sign off on a band. Nobody wants to risk their job at that time. I, I have, I, I remember this guy, I'll just say, I don't care, Jeff Fenster. He went to hang out with girls. He was from Geffen at that, the Geffen building. And he would hang out at all. just, we all thought we were getting signed, but he just liked the girls in hindsight. You know, they'd come to the parties and everybody that had a car just like, just wanted to hang, but no one would risk their job if they didn't have to. But I mean, back then, I mean, it was still, I would say, the gold rush of, uh, you know, let's sign the next big metal band. And, and you know, uh, weren't a lot of bands. Did it bother you guys? That You know, some bands were getting deals and, and you guys were still not struggling, but uh, still fighting to get that one fat deal. Well, well what, even, even when I moved out here, I remember being in an apartment over on Clark with some of the guys from Love, Hate and Johnny Crash. Oh. And they were talking about their deals they were getting. I'm like, do people really get record deals? I mean, you guys, you got, you're sitting here and you have a record coming out that's going to spin and shit. <laughs> like, like right. it, it was just so unfathomable to me that you almost don't. It's almost like the girl you think you'll never get. You might get her and that would be mind blowing. But you're just like deep inside. Like, dude, we're never going to have a record. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, I would think it would be more frustrating for you guys because you guys had Kim Fowley in your corner who's like beyond legendary and was it like what do we got to do to make it like we got this guy in our corner he loves us and uh you know this band we just that opened for us just got a deal yeah yeah and, and what was weird was then then i remember interscope not coming saying we couldn't get into the show it was it was too packed so we didn't go to the show like you wouldn't sign that band and just just um you know, with Kim Fowley, we got offered a deal with Interscope, and he tur turned it down because they didn't have distribution. That was like a, you know. But I think a lot of the problem was a lot. One thing that would always happen is I remember going to Karen Dumont at Atco Records, and she's saying, you need to be more like Roxy Blue. <laughs> and then we go to another another thing, and they'd be like, you need to be more like Bang Tango or Jane's Addiction. Like, it, it, was, just, it, was, it was just a strange thing. It just, I, I don't know, but... I mean, look at tough. That's like it's hard to talk about myself, but like tough. I mean, the template was done. The work was done for anybody. They just had to like, here right. you go. That that was more what bothered me. Like something like 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 tough. Like you're gonna give you slick toxic a deal, but not tough. It's done. The world knows about tough. Why wouldn't someone just get behind and pump a single and just do it? It's done. Yeah, I mean, I I and I I've told Stevie this before, so it's meant with nothing but love, but. I always looked at tough as like diet poison, like right, 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 and he's I'm sure aware that yeah. But like I, Cinderella's one of my favorite bands. You know, the drummer Fred has been on this show. Uh, another one of my favorite bands was Britney Fox, which Long Way to Love is one of the <laughs> best songs ever written, man. Diet Cinderella though, yeah, uh, yeah, Creed to Pearl Jam. I mean, yeah. well, yeah, it's 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 fine. So you know, I always but the singer from Britney Fox, I. Like, this is what I love about you. You embrace the era. Right. Like, you're not like, hey, yeah, I was there. You know, he changed his name, cut his hair. Like, he's so embarrassed by Britney Fox, he won't talk about it. I call it, it PMD, post-metal denial. <laughs> but why, though? Like, I, like, now maybe it's because I'm just a fan and I don't have to suffer any repercussions of being a fan. You know, you right. guys do. Uh, I mean, like, have you ever walked into an audition uh, or uh, maybe you were up for a music gig and it's like, Oh, you were in Blackboard Jungle. You're the guy from that. Oh, I've got tons of. I, I mean, and I realize that that, like you say, you you being a cool comedian, you, you you're more down with me going like, I'm into it. Someone once said, if you you know, 
Nikki Six. What are you thinking, Nikki Six? I can move to California because of him. And people will shut up then. You know what I mean? It's right. just like, I'm in. I'm in. And I love Springsteen. And it's just um, it's just a mix of it. You know, you can, you can like it all. It's, it, there's nothing as exciting as it. And I'm, and I'm not ironic about it. Like you. Like, we really like it. P- people get noncommittal. Those that like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And, and though I love Springsteen and Tom Petty, I always feel like I see a lot of rockers exit via Tom Petty or industrial music pull out. That wasn't really what I was saying. It was totally what you were into, man. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, I mean, it was totally what you were I was cooler than you back then. I'm cooler than you now. Stop. Yeah, you, I mean, it just kind of... Your band was corny. You know what I mean? It's just like, come on. Like, you know, I see Brett Michaels doing country songs and... It's like, come on, man. I mean, you might like country, Brett Michaels, but you know, I don't want to hear you play the banjo. I want. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's just. I want those pink guitars, CC playing, overextended solos, and just you know. And I love this one. Management made us wear that. You know, I mean, people always have like back management. That's not really what I was about. I mean, dude, I love White Lion. I love White Lion, and I realize on most White Lion albums they close with associates. A very uh, social, social conscious song when right. the children cry. Very, but I mean, I like I think the same stuff Mike Tramp likes. But when I watch him doing a cobblestone road, I'm like, what? What are you, yeah. dude? Come on, you gotta have a thread of who you are and just deny. Oh, this is really what I'm about. Me, this guitar and this, you know. Yeah. I Remember mean, Ron Keel when he did that thing in the back of the pickup? Ronnie Lee Keel. I got this dog. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't like telling any artist, say, hey, you should do this because I want to hear right. it. But, you know, that's why I've always liked CC DeVille. Like, oh, yeah. It's just like he doesn't run from it. He still has the bleach blonde hair. You know, still plays the pink guitars. You know, he embraces it. Well, I was telling someone, that's why I think Poison was so good. When you listen to the guitar, everybody else had that crunchy... Like CC was just amazing. The 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 um the riffs and stuff were like sounding like Kiss, nothing but a good time. He just killed it. He's I think a big part of what set Poison apart. Yeah, I mean, do you think a guy? And I always have this uh, not argument, but talk about this with friends who like the music. Like he's an amazing guitar player. Oh God, yeah. I mean, does he I, I mean amazing? Is he Steve Vai? No, no. But, I but mean, he's 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 an accomplished musician. He he kills it. Yeah, yeah like uh, it always bumps me out when uh, like him. Steve Stevens is another guy who uh, you look at and go, gee, he looks like a Jersey Shore housewife. But you you listen to him play, it's like wow. Oh yeah, yeah. He put a, out a flamenco album that is a like, level. Yeah, I just saw him at the Fox Theater in Oakland a few months ago. Yeah, a level. But you know, it always bothered you know Rod Morgenstein, the drummer from Winger. It's like he gets a lot of shit because you know how they looked in the videos. But like he he's like this amazing fusion drummer, and like you know, it always, did it bum you guys out that you know. Now you weren't, you guys weren't as glammy uh, as as those guys I just mentioned, but that you didn't get credit for your skills because of the the image a lot of you guys had. Nah, dude, I don't I, I don't think we. I, I you know we were lucky. One cool thing is everybody always liked our songs and sang them. So we were we, you dude, we the guys in Faster Pussycat liked us more than I think we were we were sold on that. That was like really cool, right? Yeah, you know I mean, and we and we we. we uh, yeah, I think the only bummer with us is like more than the not being signed thing is we were never part of like um, like even the cat house thing. No one would ever call us. We were never we were like weird in between. No one. We were never part of those certain things that just 
you know, seemed cool to be in. We just didn't get the cool guy card. So we kind of had to build our own world, which was cool. You know what I mean? So we kind of built our own thing. I mean, I always thought you guys were not sounding wise, but almost in that same boat as like Tesla, where it was like, okay, they're not really glam, but they're not really this. Yeah. Uh, what do we do with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that might be that might have been what happened, and 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 it wasn't thought out. I mean, dude, I wanted to I wanted to look like Nikki Six or Francois from Motorcycle Ball. We wanted it, it. You know, we 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 wanted to be just cool and just. Uh, you know, we loved um, bands like Vane. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, what's that? You know what I mean? Those bands that were in between, too. And like, like, yeah. I mean, you just take your sum of influences and you just try to be it. You put a little twist on it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, yeah, it was just, it, it, it was, I would always just cut my hair like a bob and wear these crazy glasses and people responded, so you keep doing it. But it, it was the glam thing. I love glam. You know what I mean? It, it was funny because Alley Cat Scratch, you know who they are? Yeah. They're on the record label we're we're on, and a lot of times I'll say I think when you send when a kid overseas wants to reach back into the '80s for a glam band, they're a good reach, and that's why they're very popular because they define it all perfectly. There's no there's no piece missing. Like you say, Pretty Boy Floyd, Alley Cat Scratch. You know what I mean? Like that's tough poison, and that's cool. I think I just we just didn't have it that dialed in. We tried, right? (laughs) But like I said, it's a lot of those bands. Like I think Guns coming short of what what you want to be you know what I mean, sometimes is, is cool. Well, I think a lot of people forget, uh, you know, when Tracy Guns was in Guns and basically what was ended up Guns N' Roses, uh, I mean, he's the Guns. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't uh, know that. Uh, like, they were pretty glam when they were playing, like, Madame Wong's. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If you look at uh, early pictures of th- that version of... Uh, what became Guns N' Roses? They were as glam as poison uh, to you know a little lesser degree, but so. Yeah. And then they uh, was it? Do you think in their case it was Mar- someone like a Vicky Hamilton, uh, Deborah Perry saying, "Hey, you guys, uh, this music's about to be a little out of stink. Toughen it up a bit." I don't think so. I think Axel was just it was just who got in the. I heard specifically like one day. Um, my friend Rick was in Rose, and he just said Izzy came home one day with a Kerrang with Hanoi Rocks, and was like, "We're redoing it all." Right. I think Hanoi Rocks changed them into a more rock and roll band. I think. Right. I mean, Hanoi Rocks literally has the the line written, "Welcome to the jungle." You know I mean, oh wow, I didn't they're know welcome that. to the jungle, welcome to the sea, welcome to the deep inside of me. It's one of their songs, Mystery Cities, Paradise City. I mean, and they just made it better. You know what I mean? They took that, like, you know, little Shark Island, a little Hanoi Rocks, and. They played amazing. A little bit of Axel shit kicking. Uh, what is it? Uh, Leonard Skinnerness. Right. There's yeah, some. Yeah. There's a 10 CC song that he loved. I found an Axel biography. Something of love. That old band. And you can hear his template of like half his songs, especially on the Use Your Illusions on that. On that. Well, in that that's song. when I kind of checked out uh, Use Your Illusion. And that's when they were at their ultimate. Uh, uh, you know. I, I wish they would have just had one album. How good would it has a musician? Oh, oh, I know. If you cut out some, not that there were bad songs, but if you cut out some of the you know lesser songs and just made one album. But I feel like it was their story. I feel like it was like like when they I know this chick she lives down on Melrose and you knew the girl that lived down on Melrose right. and like Izzy writing songs about the band becoming a joke, Axel singing them and not know he was singing them. I mean, right? I mean, did you need my world up? But it it, it just was what it was, and it was it it, it was. 
it was incredible man oh they were i mean i saw that concert at the forum uh and i've never been a huge fan of theirs but it was it's other than a Springsteen concert, it's it's probably the best concert I've ever seen. Yeah, it was just come on. Two and a half hours. I think Skid Row might have been the opener. And it was like, wow, these guys are... But you could already see kind of little chinks in the armor. Like, they didn't really seem to go near each other on stage. Yeah. It was like, you stay... What, you know. One of my favorite things, a buddy of mine, like, we, we love to... Actually, the drummer of my current band, we love to... Um, YouTube, is there was a point in Axel's career... And use your illusion where he he realized he had interpreters and he loved calling for interpreters to scold the crowd and teach them. It's an amazing, just oh, wow. just YouTube Axel Rose interpreter, interpreter, and and watch the interpreter's face when he yells this stuff that she's he or she has to say to the crowd. It's amazing. Well, that's uh, I was at some concert recently where they had a uh, a, a sign interpreter yeah, yeah. person at the stage, and uh, it wasn't Rat, but it was a band who had some kind of some raunchy songs so it was just interesting to see like, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. when they were talking about uh, the sexual uh parts of the song they had to like yeah do these weird now what band are you in now my band is called el granada i was in a band called mk4 for a while but we're recording with doug Grion, who was um you might know he played guitar for scott whelan for, okay for years and uh he left and he's recording us now and what do you guys mainly because I, I know you're based in northern california yeah yeah um, is it hard to, I mean, what's the music scene there like? Dude, I, I don't even think about it now. I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to make the greatest album I can make and just, and Doug's just going crazy and adding things and Paul Roybal is the drummer and he sings sometimes and I sing sometimes and we're, we're just, just trying to make the greatest album we can make. I mean, I, I love music more than ever. That's awesome. And you know, and, and, and it's funny, we talk about comedy. A lot of my friends make fun of me because I think, comedians are the new philosophers we paul and i go out and see comedy and you're just like wow you see mark Marin and you're just blown away with it's it's oh, it, it, it makes me feel the way that guns made me feel yeah no he's uh he's amazing bill burr is another oh one who's, god uh, he I keeps mean, it real yeah he's a huge hockey guy and uh there's a lot of uh a lot of you know podcasting now is uh, you know if it wasn't for podcasting you know mark Marin, you know he kind of had a downtime in his career. And, oh uh, yeah, he was with Greg and Kinnison. That that yeah. was, he was his boy. Yeah. So he's been. A, he was a doorman. Uh, oh in the comedy yeah, store. Yeah. So well, what, he's got the president on his podcast. Yeah. Well, what I love about that is, as manager from like seven eight years ago, said, "Don't do the podcast. You'll never make any money on it." That's amazing. And now he's. Uh, I think he's doing okay. I have a funny... So I love the Bill Burr podcast, and my nephew's really cool. He's in. He was in eighth grade. And I got him listening to it. He loved Bill Burr. And he's a good kid. And my brother's a madman. He's an Italian. Like, he's crazy. And, his and they were having an argument. And his kid, who's normally well-behaved, said, why don't you suck my dick? <laughs> my brother was... I mean, the, the kid could get murdered. My brother's right. trying to, like... And my dad, brother, I go, dude, it's because I got him the Bill Burr. But I, he was so listening right. to Bill Burr that the Bill Burr had gotten on his head. And it's, it's weird that I, I hear that a lot of these comedians, like Bill Burr, they hit up to 18, then 40 and up. So essentially they missed the target demographic audience at times. But yeah. like, oh, like sure. kids get it, adults get it. It's, you know, the 20s sometimes don't get the whole horror of everything at times. Well, I mean, uh, podcasts are, you know, basically the new talk show. Uh, 
you know, because uh, if you and there's some great late night talk show hosts, but you know, it's kind of cookie cutter questions and oh. and just people promoting whatever movie they're on, and and you know, it's, it's such a great format to have someone like you on, and, and not that I wanted you to talk shit, but you're keeping it real. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll talk shit, whatever you want to know, and and and. Like I would watch Breaking Bad, and they did a podcast after every episode, and I would just be, I learned so much would lead me on to other shows, and like like Chuck Klosterman just last night, I was like, what podcast has he been on lately? And I downloaded a few from my ride home. Craig Finn is a there's a band I love, The Hold Steady, where they they actually sing sometimes about they have lines about Guns and Roses in their alternative rock band. But anyway, he's on a lot of podcasts, and I love I just love listening. You get in somebody's head. Well, it's great, and you know I, I've tried to get. You know, probably the number one compliment I get on mine is, "How did you get that guy? How did you get Stephen Piercy and you know Tony Katane?" I just I love getting uh, these avant-garde guests. It's, it's tough because they're like, who, "Well, who the fuck are you?" Oh, you had Tony Katane. She was awesome. Dean had me, you know Dean Del Rey. Uh, who doesn't? Uh, Dean had me call up because he was gonna. I I was friends with him in Northern Cal. I'm still friends with, him, but in Northern California, and I said, "You're having Tony Katane on." Do you remember? In the Here I Go Again video, her boob flop, flops out Yeah, for a while on MTV. And uh, he's like, call up. And I was working at a school and I had to take a break from my job. And I called in at his show. And it's me calling in on Dean's show asking her about that. And she was a great sport. She was awesome. Uh, the only thing she wouldn't talk about was OJ, which but, I understood. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm sure. Uh, Brent told me when she was on, uh, they they toured with P Pussycat on the White Snake tour. Oh. And she she had like a director's chair, Miss Katane, and she'd come out. Hi, I'm Miss Katane, and welcome to the tour. Oh, I said it was it was just nuts. No, she was awesome. Bobby Brown uh, was another girl. Uh, I said, well, if I can get Tony, I'll get Bobby, and uh, you know, and uh, Fred Corey from Cinderella. It's it's great to get guys who were there and girls who were there, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's not as uh, easy as you'd think getting some of these people on this right. couch. Right, 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 so, right. But Dean was a mentor to me. We. Uh, co-hosted a podcast for a bit so oh wow and i got too lazy to drive up to his house in the hills so i'm like i think i'll just start my own oh ropes <laughs> yeah i mean oh. to drive to dean's house in la traffic took me 45 minutes to an hour and he only lives you beachwood know. does he still yeah. live in beachwood wow so i was just like ah oh, fuck i think i'll just buy my own gear you know it's funny i've met a lot of rock stars obviously sebastian bach is the real deal tommy lee you know i mean real deal Dean is probably the biggest rock star I've ever met. I mean, he is just so larger than life, and after you meet him, you can hit life from a different angle. Well, he's like a character from Swingers. He really you, is. You know, where it's, it's like... And I mean that as a compliment. No. I mean, he's gone farther in four years of comedy than, than most people have in 20, because he's just persistent, and he's just eye on the prize, and he's, he's great to watch work a room. Oh, yeah. You know, he could walk into a room of 100 people and go, who can help me? And he'll find that one person. And I, me, it takes me all night to figure out. Do you know that Dean originally owned the name Warrant and sold it to them? <laughs> I could believe <laughs> he it. He did. No, it's a true story. They, I forget they bought it from him from a, for a good sum of money. He yeah. owned the name Warrant. I mean, uh, and then Joey Allen has been on this couch. Oh, who, wow. Who was, uh, you know, an awesome guest. So it's, it's neat to, you know, get some of these people on and just hear the stories from the glory days. Oh, and, yeah. And because, like I said, it's, I was around the scene, but you were in it. Yeah, yeah. We were. I, I, it's one of the few things in my life I go, I did it. You did. I like, I mean, from head to toe, you can ask me anything. When people say, you know, 
act like they they know something i go you know what well if you know it like i know glam rock then then you know it but i know glam rock inside out no i've got you're the only guest i've had people tweeting questions to ask me okay so uh i heard through the rumors that you have played some shows naked i you well many many but I mean, like, how does that work? Uh, give me one. Uh, that's crazy. Well, well, it originally started. We were playing Lubbock, Test, Texas, with Faster Pussycat, and we read all our um, books about. Oh, at the end of a show a tour, you're supposed to do something fun and crazy and nutty. So I, I went out there. And I, I think I like just did a naked handstand. Just got nude, and Dave Zink did, and everybody went crazy. But then we got banned from Lubbock, Texas, Blackboard Jungle, for doing that. And I was like, this is amazing. So then we would play You Spin Me Around. And one time I just wasted. And just I don't even drink anymore. But I took off all my clothes and the place just went berserk. So it just became legend that that's what I would do at the end of a show. <laughs> and uh, did uh, that help with the girls backstage after? No, no. It, it, in fact, it, it's weird. It's really cool when you're doing it. But when it ends, like... I was I would still do it. I just haven't done it the past few years. Maybe I'll do it this year. Um, and the curtain closes, and you're fucking naked. It's like that nightmare you have as a kid that you're running around fucking naked. You're right. like, this is weird. Now, didn't another uh, listener tweeted they there was a band photo where uh, you guys all did T the Buffalo Bill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is my favorite movie scene of all time. So we we tucked our dicks between our legs at the. It's the old H.R. Puffin stuff oh where they God. filmed it, which is even worse. Who do you call when things get rough? Yeah, exactly. So Joel, the drummer, didn't want to do it. He was like against it, right? So we said, no, dude, just do one test shot. And so he did that test shot, and I think within 12 hours there were shirts and flyers up and down the strip. He's just horrified. I mean, it was amazing. It's still just... There's, and the thing was, because the one thing about Blackboard Jungle, it was Kenny came up with the idea. Kenny was genius with his ideas. I mean, he... he we, we prided ourselves in not being dicks. Our guitar player, Dave, could be a dick sometimes. But you know people were dicks. Yeah. It was one of our goals. Like, dude, let's just not be a dick. Like, as we get big, let's just like... I remember at Faster Pussycat shows kids not being able to get in and me putting them in my base because uh, they're under 21, putting them in my SVT case and putting them in, getting them in the show. Like, you can ask a lot of people. We were not, I don't think we were dicks. So we said we should do there's no dicks in this band. And that was the theme of the picture. And that's the, slo uh, the slogan. Yeah, there's no dicks in this band. And did you get some money from these shirts or were these bootleggers? Uh, no, we made the shirts and sold them. Oh, I'm telling you, that would be a huge... Uh, now, do you guys have a website uh, up? Uh, where, it's just, where? A, just a Facebook. Just a Facebook. We have a cool... This year's shirt was... Um, I just put Nikki Six on it, because that's why we moved here. He'll probably sue us, but I, I love Nikki Six so much that I just put his face on it. And just... I was like, there's no... I searched on the internet one day. I wanted a, a just a Nikki Six shirt. Just right. His, just his face. And there was none. So I was like, well, that's the next Blackboard Jungle shirt. And can people buy this? Yeah, it's on there. It's on there. So yeah. what? What's the Facebook? Uh, just Blackboard Jungle. Yeah, I mean they band? can ban. Yeah, they can find it. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you guys? Uh, are you guys on Twitter? Do you guys? No, but Demon Doll Records is where you can get all our CDs. You better spell that for my fan base. D e d e m o n d o l l r e c o r d s. 
I don't know if it's .com, but just search right. Demon Doll Records and have a ton of great glam stuff. They put uh, some tough stuff out that's just great and stuff. iTunes, because uh, I know you guys have, you know, you guys yeah, get yeah. the uh, sales of, uh, you know, the profits from those sales on iTunes and all that. Well, you know, Demon Doll Records, I really feel that they're keeping this music alive. Sure. It's a labor of love, and if any bands you know want their records out that are from that era... Johnny Johnny does his best to get those records out. The problem is sometimes these bands act like they're in Led Zeppelin reforming right. just to put a little EP out. But I've never been treated so fairly. He splits it down the middle. I, I get my little check, which is I call it burrito money for what we're selling. You know what I mean? But it, I've been there. Yeah, but it, but it's just like wow, someone's listening, to that and that's all you care about. And he puts you know a lot of these bands out, and it ties into Stevie and and, and uh, Metal Slide. It's just a great thing. Well, that's awesome because I want uh, I want my fans to become fans of Blackboard Jungle, and uh, it's only through venues like podcasts that you know we keep the name and era of, of the '80s alive. I got a good Blackboard Jungle one. This is a good one. Go YouTube Blackboard Jungle bass throw. So we're playing club lingerie. Oh my god! And I was so nice, and this guy liked my girlfriend, and I was playing, and he sho- and he and he shoved my my mic into my face. And it hits me. And I say, no. I lean down. I kiss him on the cheek. He does it again. And I lean back and I launch the bass at him. And it's, it's one of the legendary Blackboard Jungle YouTube clips. Oh, that's awesome. Blackboard Jungle bass throw. Because you guys have a lot of YouTube. You guys have a nice presence. Yeah, yeah. People put it up. It's fun. You know? I call us the Grateful Dead of Glam Rock because if anybody ever wants to come to our show and sell anything, I will get them in free and then keep all their money. That's how we keep stuff out there. Wow! Anybody wants to make a blackboard jungle shirt? No royalty. Just just do what you want. Oh, keep wow. stuff out there. Well, I know some Jewish comics who'll definitely uh, <laughs> be coming to blackboard jungle shows. Now we've talked a lot about your club days. You know, playing places like club lingerie. But I also know you guys were pretty big in Japan. Yes. Yes. Um, what got you guys? I know. I know you toured with Faster Pussycat in kind of their heyday. Right. Uh, any good memories from those? Uh, I'm sure there are. From Japan, yeah. Well, this was the best. First, the, the way the Japan starts is is we had a lot of fans there because originally Dave and I, Dave played longer. I played with Andy McCoy of Hanoi Rocks when we were like eighteen, and that got us a presence. They always wondered what we were doing, but by being nice, just you know, every band was big in Japan. Every sunset, there was a fanzine Sunset Strip. We're big. We played the whiskey that 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 uh that same night with Bad Blood that Gene Simmons was there, right? And Bad Blood were going to go to Japan. And they went backstage, and they were all, you know, hey, there was a dr- some drug problems there, eh, treating the promoter like, all like, like kind of shitting on him, and being cocky rock stars. And and the guy came to us and said, "I really liked your set." And we were super kind and nice, and offered him a beer and everything. And then as we're leaving, he goes, "Hey, I'd rather take you to Japan than them. Would you be interested in going to Japan?" I'm, I'm like, "Sure." Well, Kenny was roommates with Jeff, and the after party was at their uh, their their house, their apartment on Cherokee bad blood started having a party for them going to Japan and we knew we were oh it was so scary <laughs> oh wow like cake and all that shit we're like <laughs> and we said we wouldn't believe it till we landed but we landed and um Brent Musket came up with a great analogy for a glam band from Japan at that era and it was so true he goes when you go to the airport in Japan you're mobbed with fans when you come home from the, to LA you can't get a ride home <laughs> I've been there yeah but but why I've always wondered like even in the 90s when when uh, 
certain bands from the 80s were kind of on the outs in America, they'd go to Japan and play arenas. Like, what, what, what is it about the Japanese uh, fan base that they seem to embrace bands even if they're not hip anymore? Yeah, I don't think... It, it's like England with the metal, metal bands. They don't abandon it, and I think that... Dude, when you... When you I, I DJ, not cool guy, DJ, DJ on ships, like, in San Francisco Bay, and, and when you listen to disco that everybody made fun of at the time, it's so perfectly recorded and so ear-pleasing that it's so explosive and big now, and, and it sounds so right. That music was so meticulous and precise and chorus and non-boring, and it lifted and it dropped that it's just, it's great music. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? And I think they respond to that. You want to sing, you want to say the words. I mean, some of these new bands that sound cool and vibey, it doesn't really lift or do anything. It just kind of stays here. That was like really lifted and that Springsteen thing, a community, and everybody's singing the words and just like... That's like... When he does 10th Avenue Freeze Out oh. and, uh, you know, when the big man joined the band and the whole crowd is just, it brings you to tears right away. Oh, dude, I was wondering what is going to happen. I went to the show and, and with Springsteen, I don't over Google it. I don't look at set lists online. I don't, I'm obsessed with them. And I knew that he'd play that and the changes came real time when the big man joined the band. I was like, what's he going to do? And when the arena just froze and he froze and all those movies of Clarence through the year, I mean, I get chills just thinking about oh, it. Oh, it makes you... It's it just like, he did it right, man. How's he going to do it right? And he did it. I don't cry a lot. But, yeah, yeah. That was like, yeah. You know, and, and it's, is it, his nephew is the saxophone? Yeah, Jake, Jake Clemens. Who's amazing. I yes. Mean, you talk about tough shoes to fill. I mean, I mean, but dude, you know, it's the best. He does. I mean, he, as best he can. How many horn players? There's a horn section, and it still doesn't fill up that. And I'm not just saying it, dude. I would say, dude, when when I, I saw him a few times with Clarence, and when he just hits that that first note, and the crowd goes crazy. I mean, it's just. Oh, I mean, uh, probably my favorite Springsteen memory is '88. Uh, they're playing the Sports Arena Tunnel of Love tour. Yeah. And uh, during Thunder Road, they <laughs> Clarence starts the sax, and towards the end of uh, the solo. Springsteen slides on his knees to Clarence and they kiss on, oh. on the lip. Oh, yeah. And like anyone else, you'd be like, Jesus, this is a little gay for me. And it was like, no one thought that. Oh, me. yeah. That's how good of friends they were. And they said in the 70s, a black guy and a white guy yeah. doing that. It was huge. You and know kissing what I mean? on the lips. You're like, oh, like this is like, yeah. you know, like when Paul sucks his finger in the Heavens on Fire video, it's yeah, like, that's yeah. a little much. Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, a memory I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, oh yeah, it's kind of hard to see the East Street Band now because a couple of them aren't there anymore. And but it carries on, and a lot of it's the people there that are around you when you see it that are so into you. Wear your vintage Springsteen shirt. Uh, you know, I just love the whole vibe. Yeah, it's a very Grateful Dead uh, almost, yeah. uh, you know, experience. And uh, although uh, Dan Federici is no longer yeah. there, I've got the keyboard player from uh, Pat Benatar. You said that's right. Who wow. I love, yeah, and Pat, Pat Benatar. Ben oh. Um, I have to tell you a funny kiss story. But this please, is, please. Okay, so when I went in Vegas, I went with some friends of Boston and my girlfriend to see Kiss at the um, the joint. Right. And the Boston people bought crazy good tickets. And they brought this friend. It was like a contractor, big guy, very like, yeah, you know, like, I get this many chicks, chicks. And he's scary. Like, I felt like I felt like I had my glam rock clothes on around him. All of a sudden, I felt like, whoa, he just like, and, and, and we're getting in the show, and he's like uncomfortable, but he's going because everybody's going. He's like, Can I talk to you, man? I'm like, what the fuck is he wanting me to talk to him about? I go outside, and my girlfriend's like, What? Okay. 
He goes, yeah, man, I just got to get something off my chest. He's like our age, 46. When I was a kid, uh, I was watching this video, and I saw these hot asses walking, and I started to get hard. And he's like, I started to get hard and wood. And then it went up, and it was fucking kiss. And I was like, I'm, I'm fucking gay, and I started to cry. <laughs> oh, shit, really? And he's like, and for two weeks, I was like really bummed out. I told my karate instructor, and he said I wasn't gay. So just so you know, I'm not gay, but that happened. I'm like, all right. And then we go watch Kiss and they play Lick It Up. Dude, it was really weird. Wasn't that, a, that was a good one. That was a weird. I thought he was going to have to beat me up or something over like this heavy stuff to him. Now, speaking of gay, and as you can tell, Brett, I don't uh, plan any questions. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like it to be a free-flowing. Let's uh, do it. You tell that story. You have a Judas Priest shirt on. Oh, man. And uh, listen, uh, th this, as you know, uh, I live on Larrabee in West Hollywood. I lived here as well. You don't get any gayer right. than this neighborhood. Uh, so, uh, God love for the gays. 100%. Um, Rob Halford, I don't care what he does in his personal life, maybe may one of the greatest uh, rock voices ever. Oh, I'm going to go. I saw him last year. I'll see him again. I like. Dude, he, he's almost embracing. He's going full costume changes now. It's he's amazing. going full uh, Al Pacino and cruising. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were there a lot of gay rockers, uh, you know, on the scene that kind of had to keep it under the uh, under the radar? I guess you'd say. No, I, I don't think so. You know, you know, they they would like the guy. This guy would make out with that guy, just the way lesbian girls right. that aren't lesbians make out, just to get the girls going. People did shit like that, but I didn't think so. I don't think so. Um, there was like. The ultras or some like more that was more scream and like right. the cooler scene than that. I don't think I don't I don't think we were cool enough to have that. I don't think we we're that arty. Right, right. <laughs> I know there's that one documentary. I, I, I metal fans jump on me when I get the facts wrong. It's heavy metal parking lot or, or the something. Judas Priest one, yeah, yeah. And the, you know they show these two fans and uh, you know they said a pretty homophobic remark. You know said oh, we're not fags and so like, uh, do you know your singer's gay and like it, it would have been a great uh kind of a punked or a hidden camera video to have them meet rob Halford. oh yeah how great would that be you know oh uh, what did you say about uh fags this is uh, your favorite singer of all time you know he's gay too uh, 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 oh yeah oh you know but some of those uh videos definitely uh, you know oh the, the, the priest when we when we were kids kenny and i the singer i was like 15 he was 16 his dad's a great jersey guy and we're sitting in his living room watching priest at the us festival and his dad walks in he goes this guy's a fucking fag it's amazing he's got you guys frothing and he called the mom and the, he's got the little boys frothing over him and we're like oh yeah rob halford's gay he wears studs we just yeah, I mean, it's like, like, what are you talking about? The same thing with, like, David Lee Roth. It's like, you know, see, I don't think, like, David Lee Roth or, you know, there's always been uh, innuendos, whatever you want to call it, about Paul Stanley. And it's like, you know, these guys have fucked so many girls. Yeah, yeah. Thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, even if they do go to the other side, that's not gay. That's just boring. Boredom, exactly. And, and I don't think, you know, after all the Paul rumors, you obviously read the book. Uh, well, there's so many kiss books. Right? No, the the the, I, the 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 last Paul one was amazing. You know, I I I did buy it. I I just um, you know, with Kiss, I don't know. The only problem I had with Paul's book uh, was he he seemed to kind of blame everyone but him but himself, and like it was Gene's fault. It was this guy's right, fault. Right. Ace is this. But but I feel like his book, and I agree with you. 
was the truth. You could deduce it was the closest to the truth of all the books. That I would made, agree with that. That made sense. When you read all the other books and you come back, you go, this kind of makes sense. You know, and Peter's was just as bad. Uh, you know, everyone fucked up but me. Yeah, but but I felt like Paul's was the truth. And I went and saw him talk in San Francisco at like a Jewish center. It was amazing. One of the greatest, some of the greatest money I'd spent to like just watch him talk about the book. And it was really cool in a Q&A. It was really cool. I mean, you know, with the, the at least the original four guys, it's so hard to figure out, you know, who to believe. You know, Gene's probably, uh, you know, he's a carnival barker. He's a salesman. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Paul seems to be the most uh, eloquent. Yeah. But I don't know if that means he's the most truthful. And, you know, Ace and Peter, you know, Ace and Peter. I would love Vinnie Vincent to write a book oh, if dude, they could find dude, him. We should just do a documentary and you and I go find him. That, you know, I'm, dude, I mean, we should really, I mean, how huge would that be? I've him and Izzy Stradlin. I stay up at night on where I know Izzy's going to pop out, but like, I've got an idea for it in, uh, it's called finding Vinny because I bought his box set and I don't know if you know, did it story. show up? Did it show up? The box showed up. It was nothing in it. Oh, that's amazing. And that's <laughs> what I want the documentary to start out is you and me. Nothing here. was in it. That's amazing. I open up, we open up the box set. And then the next scene is me knocking on his door. If we could find him, go, where's my fucking cassette? I mean, he's got to be somewhere. Dead wives, dead dogs, stuffed. I mean, dude, he's the most fascinating man on the planet. I, 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 I don't even know where I would start with the questions with him. I mean, your name's Vinny Vincent. You get kicked out of the Vinny Vincent invasion. That seems fucking impossible. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, he rescued Kiss's career with Lick It Up. Uh, it's basically a Vinny Vincent solo album. Yeah. And even a little bit on Creatures of the Night. Uh, oh, yeah. But they had so many guest guitar players on that album. You know, the guy from Mr. Mister, Steve, uh, not Steve. Lucas, but I think it was, it's who wrote it. With I think he wrote a lot of that He wrote stuff. three songs. Brian Adams had a song on. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brian. Uh, I think uh, Saint and Sinner. No, War Machine. Which SDP ripped off, I feel like. For, oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I have a almost an unhealthy obsession with Vinnie Vincent just because I so brilliant but just oh, such a no, oh just just uh, I mean was he do you think he was one of the uh, at least the early images of that band caused bands like guns and and maybe even Blackboard Jungle to go okay we don't want to look that was there a, like Oh, dude! When that video came out, I was boys like, are gonna rock. Oh, it was perfect. It, it was it that was, era. Oh yeah, yeah. Just like oh my god, look, I dude. I mean, it was blistering. I mean, if you could do it, one all female road crew. Come on, it was it was amazing. But what was there like a point in time for bands like Blackboard Jungle who came on later in the scene? Of uh, we don't want to look like that. Uh, you know, Warren's video for Cherry Pie, which I love. Uh, right but you know i think a few months or maybe a, a year later uh nirvana's video came out it's like oh boy you know you look at that video and then you w the cherry pie video would be the one that it was compared to yeah did you guys like i mean what was it like to, you know trying to well, you learn from guns. You did learn from guns that they kind of look like. The, I think a lot of those bands had stylists. In, in, in fact, the guitar player, Blackboard Jungle's wife, current wife, made the white clothes for the Heaven video and some Queensryche clothes. Yeah, she was a, made some of those clothes. And it, it just, you had the custom clothes. What was it? There was a company that made those pants. Not Albane for leather. No, no, no. But it was, it was, it, it was, but those type companies was with the cool studs. And it just, um, 
it was cool. It's just you, you kind of realized there was a subculture where you saw Vane or something. You, you, you know, David walk around with his fucking leather jacket with just chains and no sh- shirt and jeans. And you, 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 you know, we're emulating guns. You know what I mean? It's just like that was the band that you thought was cool. You'd see, you know, Motorcycle Boy or Saigon Saloon or some of the cooler, slightly older bands and pull from that. And you, you could, there was sex. There was the Valley sect to me that was like, Tommy Gun Paradise. Well, I love all those bands, but they were like tan and good looking and chiseled, and girls love them. And that was that thing. It was awesome, but we weren't that. So how, they 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 somehow had motorcycles and had shit. You know what I mean? Like some of them. I'm not right. Paradise. There's Paradise. And they I were, had the singer from Paradise. Yeah, yeah, so. Adam. He. I mean, I loved them. It was just, but it was just different than us. Then you had the English acid bands that were all you know shooting up in their eyeballs and stuff like that. Some of them, and mm. we kind of went to that, and then. You had uh, Saigon Saloons, the Post Guns and Roses, Hanoi Rocks bands and stuff like that. The Wild. Well, the Wild were roommates with guns. But yeah, and so you just kind of saw where you sit and just pulled a little from each one of what you thought was good and cool. I mean, you did have, you know, the Valley is uh, often overlooked, uh, you know, uh, place uh, uh, of the Sunset Strip days because uh, you had FM Station. Yeah, checks. Uh, the country club in Reseda. Oh God! Major show, you know, Striper and you know Anthrax yeah. and pr- pretty much every bit. Poison. Yeah, yeah. I uh, saw Virgin there. It was the, my first show there. I saw Vir- Ricky Rockman was in a band called Virgin. He played, and Nikki Six and Eric Stacy showed up, and I just was like, floored. And I met Nikki Six, and I was a little kid, and he was so fucking cool. I told him this. I said, "I've got two heroes, you and Bruce Springsteen." And I was like, shaky voice, and he's like thank you for keeping me in good company. Uh, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. It was like a Tenacious D movie with the fucking you know, oh, for pick sure. of, uh, you know, Destiny shit. Now, my goal with every podcast, Brett, is to have people, I like to give them a tasty the first episode. Okay. But they go, I want to hear more from this guy. Okay. So, I don't want to wrap it up, but I guess it's a good place to kind of yeah. lead into for the second episode 100%. hopefully you'll come back you know maybe we'll bring a bring a, a special guest we'll, we'll do a muscat or something oh oh i would be humbled and honored i'll get him to come it'd be fun to have the yin yang it'd be fun to bring one of those guys i think at the time i was working at a health club uh, the manager there was dating him <gasps> so. oh my god dude when we wrote uh when we wrote old friend it's about 91 yes 24-hour fitness that's her. And he cried. Was her name Rebecca? Oh, yes. And he cried because it curly made, hair, brown curly it hair. made Brent miss her. And we talked about that. He was there. And we wrote an old friend and he teared up and it made him miss Rebecca. And that was where she had worked. And that was the love of his life. And that, that was crazy. I, wow. I mean, That's mind blowing. <laughs> I don't want to get too. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Her, she was my manager at the, at the time. I, just, I never thought we'd go into this direction. It was called sports connection. Became uh, 24-hour fitness. Yes. And, uh, you know, Rebecca was my manager. So wow. She put me in charge of the money, which showed you her business school. There you go. The skill. But, uh, wow, that would be... Uh, yeah. That, that, my original question before we got sidetracked was, uh, and I ask every, as Fred from Cinderella, Joey from Warren, Stephen, Rat, was there a point in time where you knew the scene was... Not necessarily over, but it was like, wow, it's 100%, about to change. 100%. I remember it. it was a week. We 
we uh, were always towards the end getting the scheme of what it would take to be signed and get you should play with this band. It's get in, got interest. And we played a show. Do you remember Imperial Gardens was called the Roxbury? It was a pig's dick pork. Okay. We played there with Incubus. And Incubus were horrible at the time. They were like bad funk. It's nothing like it was. And the Troubadour. And they shipped in all their friends. And it was just like it was over. And I'll never forget sitting with Toddy. Um, there was a band yesterday's tier. They're also called Drown. Everybody knows Toddy. Todd Allen and uh, we were sitting watching Incubus and I'll never forget they didn't have a deal or anything and Todd looked at me and goes don't worry Brett they'll be in the position you're in with no fans and everything in just a few years it'll be dying for them soon <laughs> obviously not <laughs> but that was the changing of the tide Incubus was and it, they did it no no I mean I, I just I knew it was over in time to move. That was my, I don't know why, just them funking, playing their drums and the singer with his dreadlocks and a skateboard. Just watch him skateboard outside of Imperial Gardens. Just like, the tide has really changed. I mean, I guess as a fan, when I saw Rat's video for uh, Nobody Rides for Free, which was on the Point Break sound uh, track, it was like, they're wearing shorts. and Yeah. Like, they're wearing like ash and wash jeans. Dude, we were so confused. We were all sorry. so confused. I mean, I could play you songs. We all got so, we thought we we're going to kind of segue into grunge. You know, you, you just thought you could pull it off. You know what I mean? It was, but I just remember also bands talked about this Jesus lizard. I was like, dude, I just have no idea who that is. And I just saw it like, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I, cause you know, <laughs> it, some bands, I guess, you know, were a little more successful than others, you know, uh, uh, I mean, Bon Jovi seemed to stay above the fray uh, and, and not really change their uh, poppy or, uh, you know, I guess you'd say they switched a little harder style, at least yeah. harder for Bon Jovi. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, Kiss has always been a master at sticking around the game. Yeah. I mean, the Carnival of Souls was, uh, you know... Uh, Nice Stone Temple Pilots record. Yeah. And then the, the reunion, I, I don't think it mattered. I don't think it would have mattered what music was in style. That reunion was going to kill no oh, matter yeah, what. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, Rat kind of was in and out. Cinderella kind of took yeah. a hiatus. I mean, it was interesting to see, you know, Warrant. I remember, uh, I think they did an album, Ultraphobic, if I'm not uh, mistaken, where they kind of had a grunge look well well my friend my friend signed soul asylum and he loved this era of music at that time and he said you got to remember what all you guys are doing skid row you you're banning us you're saying you're getting heavier that means more amps and less songs <laughs> <laughs> we're getting heavier that's what we all thought we're just confused. right we were confused as fuck i mean was there like a mad rush to like you know, cut the hair. Where oh, it was. I remember being outside a tower video and it's sweltering here and dudes are walking with ski caps. It was unbelievable. And I was guilty of growing our goatees. I mean, we were confused as fuck. We're like, just, you know what I mean? Like, didn't know what. We, the first thing was, we'll change our name. You know what I mean? Right. You just you go through all these things, but it was, it was just a mess. It just... Boom. Did you see the movie Rockstar with Marky Mark? Oh, yeah, Masterpiece. Was that a pretty accurate portrayal of, like, you know, toward the end, uh, he, uh, you know, actually get the singer from Slash's band, Miles Kennedy, uh, he gave uh, Miles Kennedy the mic and just walks off. And then he's in a, uh, a coffee shop in Seattle, like, <laughs> trying to grunge. Yeah, it I guess. So. You know you know what's funny? I don't know why more people don't like um, 
Rock of Ages. That that movie so captured everything for me in that play. To me, I just loved Rockstar because it didn't yeah. do as well. Oh, dude, Kenny does it. Stand up and shout! <laughs> like what did Kenny used to say that on stage at the reunions. I used to be. I used to have pictures of these guys on my wall, and now I'm one of them. I mean, I just I, I don't yeah. know why that movie didn't do that well, uh, but it, you know. Since we were both in that era, it was like, this is really how it was. You know what freaks me out about that movie, it's crazy for Kenny and I, is that our first show as a, when I was 14 was in an aerobic center with this band Sanctuary. And when they were, and they were uh, playing Aussie covers and stuff, and the guitar player was utterly incredible. He showed, and I didn't drink. I was in high school, and he, he didn't drink, so he kind of took a liking to me and showed me how to practice, and we were doing two shows within two weeks with my first shows. It was Zach Wilde. Dude, it was. It was Jeff Wilde wow. was his name. So he ends up in that movie, but that movie is almost like more of his story, and he's in that movie. You know I mean? He got in his band. Yeah, no, I mean... I, I mean, from a high school kid at 17... Dude, nobody got in bands in New Jersey. I mean, I guess it was Bon Jovi, but that high school kid is an Ozzy's band? Yeah, he, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm more of a Jakey e. Lee man myself. Oh, of course. And Zach didn't contribute anything more than the pig squeal to me. You know? But, uh, you know, I recently saw Jake uh, at the Whiskey, and uh, oh boy, it's, it's, he played great. But uh, the, the, I saw the, his first show at the Whiskey, I think it was about a year and a half ago, and uh, the singer was, uh, uh, you know, I don't like to criticize musicians because I, I can't play anything, I certainly can't sing. But uh, he, he left a little to be desired. Yeah, something's a mess there every day. It seems like there's always a new lineup change or something. But, well, I think uh, he, he's got there like three or four singers. Uh, Red Dragon Cartel is the name of his band. Is it the same bass player? Not really. Uh, the the bass player was uh, the, Ronnie Mancuso. Someone was the lawyer or something. Was in the, Well, his uh, manager is Ronnie. Okay. And yeah. he, so he was, he was there, uh, who was also in that band Beggars and Thieves. Okay. Uh, I feel like I'm like the Wikipedia of uh, I love it. Jakey Lee's band. Uh, and then he brought back Craig Chasen or, uh, from Badlands. And that was great. But then he left. And so now I'm not sure who's in the band, uh, but but Jake and the drummer. Right. So, But it was a little disappointing because it was like, it was a great look into like bands from your era. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like, okay, here's your first concert in like 25 years. I mean, you've been off the grid. Yeah. You'd think... They didn't seem too well rehearsed, to be honest with you. But Jake was still Jake. He's Dude, Jake, my summer. He's Bark a star. The moon with crew, wasted open for crew and crew open for uh, Ozzy. Meadowlands Arena it was amazing. Bark the Moon tour. I mean, it was just like that. I don't know what a rock star is, but Jake is it. Do you remember just seeing that at Us Festival? Paranoid? Yeah. Oh, come and on. I mean, the pressure that he was on. Uh, you know, first of all, I'm a huge Brad Gillis fan. Who was the? Oh yeah, he was. Well, Bernie Tope was the first guitar player after Randy Rhodes, and right, he kind of had like a beatnik. I didn't even see him. I not not him. many people did. He had like a, apparently like a beatnik Woodstock, hey brother vibe, yeah. and they were like, ah, this isn't really working, and so they brought in Brad Gillis, yeah. who uh, you can YouTube it or buy it. Oh, dude, come on! I grew up on that. Speaking where they, of the devil, where they hung the midget. Yeah, I taped that on MTV that but, when it came yeah. out. What the fuck was that? But I thought he did a great job given the circumstances. Oh yeah. And then uh, Night Ranger kind of took off, so I think he left. No, you know, Davy Vane told me Davy because it's San Francisco. He said, "You know why he left? Let's get the scoop. Chicks were better in Night Ranger. <laughs> Truce. <laughs> More chicks in Night Ranger. 
Well, I guess I could see back then yeah, Ozzy yeah. would have a male... Uh, yeah, predominantly male audience. That's crazy that you would leave Ozzy Osbourne's band just to get more pussy. Yeah. Well, that's more money by the end, too. Well, yeah, I know how the Osbournes, you know, uh, one in particular, worked. I mean, I think that was Jake's problem. Like, he was like, uh, I wrote the last two albums. Yeah, I was friends with Phil Susan. Uh, oh, Kenny was actually really close. Kenny had it from Blackwood Jungle, did an album with Phil Susan producing it, and it just sounds like... It's unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. The this, I mean, you know, I, it's a deal with the devil. No pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, it, that should be the name of his next album. It's like, it's kind of like the Vinnie Vincent syndrome with Kiss, where he, yeah. Jesus Christ, he just rescued you guys with this album, Lick It Up. Yeah. Uh, Jake comes along, writes uh, most of uh, Bark at the Moon with I think Bob Daisley, yeah. and definitely all of Ultimate Sin, and uh, you just. I, I mean, you read Eric Carr book, right? Did you read that book? I did. Yeah, I mean, the thing about living on Palm and he's going to Paul's and he's got an elevator in his house. I mean, you gotta yeah. go, like, come on. I mean, where's... I mean, that's, a, you know, it's fan. I That's why sometimes I don't want to meet anyone. Like, Vinny, in one of his few interviews you could find, was like, yeah, well, I'm writing Lick It Up. It's basically my solo album. And I'm staying at a flea bag hotel in New York yeah. while Gene and Paul are taking <laughs> limos. And, you know, I, you know... That's their, I mean, it's their band, I guess, but yeah. you, you'd think they'd you know, maybe treat people a little better. And I guess Jake, Jake's problem was uh, when they wanted to do the Randy Rhodes tribute record, he's like, well, I'm in the band now. What, yeah. What about me? Sense. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, yeah. but it, it's all fun stuff, man. It's all our metal Trekkie stuff we love. Oh, I love <laughs> it. I mean, uh, you, you wouldn't be on this couch if it weren't for yeah. uh, our... You know, what I like about you, too, is you weren't just there, but you're, you're a fan. Oh, like, God, yeah. You know, some guy, you know, like, you know, I met Gene a few times, and, and he's a very, very nice guy, but he doesn't strike me as being a fan. He's like, I'm Gene Simmons, I play, and now how much money did the stock market fall or rise yeah, today? Dude, but dude. We're, it's neat to see someone who's a fan, too. Yeah, so. And, li I mean, dude, I, I have the names on the back of some of those thank you lists on Too Fast for Love just memorized. Yeah, I mean. I mean, dude, I, the, the notes. And I learned how to write my handwriting is based on notes on a live one. Oh my God! I mean, that's, yeah, I mean that's how I literally my handwriting is based on that. I mean, Kiss, uh, you know, they were like our Beatles. I mean, they were that big, yeah. and uh, you know, it's too bad they imploded. Yeah, it's great to see him again. But it's great to see me. I love him, man. I love Tommy Thayer. I think he fucking adds. I, I mean, Ace is great, but Tommy Thayer kills it, man. I love Tommy Thayer. Oh yeah, I he's, mean, I he's he understands Kiss more than Kiss. I mean, I, you know, I got I love Black and Blue. Uh, oh, how great. I mean, hey, Black and Blue fact. That's who that's how Bon Jovi found his producer for Slippery When Wet. Bruce Fairburn was the Oh, wow. Loved the production on Black and Blue. And who also uh, did uh he was the producer on the Psycho Circus, which Dude, cool. I didn't realize how good of a song Psycho Circus was. It took me a while, but now that they open with that I'm real I like the 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 stage directions, the directions. It's not it's really a Kiss song, but it's yeah. Paul, right? But it, but the directions here, I am there. You, huh. I, I really get into it. Last summer, I saw him two times on that tour. I was like, found a new love. For that oh, I song. love that song, and you know, I think Kevin Valentine's drumming is very nice on it. Come on, oh man! But you know, we could. That's a whole okay, other okay. podcast. Yes, yes, to, we got uh, we got days to go. You on. know, uh, to cover the ghost musicians on Kiss records. Okay, you know, a lot of people don't know that the bass player on most of the mid '80s Kiss albums was uh, Jean Beauvoir. Gene Beauvoir. Oh, Gene, I love Gene, him. From the Little Steven. Little Steven. Yeah, right. And Wendy O. Williams. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, uh, he owes me a couple autographed pictures that I gave me. He never got back to me, but that's why I didn't know. Drums along the Mohawk. I love that record. That and uh, his song off the Stallone uh, movie uh, Cobra. Feel the heat. Feel the heat. Yes. Oh my God! I got to go revisit that. And uh, I don't want to make him any money because he did me wrong on some memorabilia. But uh, I will say that his band Crown of Thorns. You know that. They've released like seven albums, okay. and uh, all good. I'll, I'll be honest. I won't let my bitterness towards a bad merch deal gone wrong, uh, but we're not going to plug Crown of Thorns. Where can people get Blackboard Jungle stuff, Brett? Let me, um, you know what? DemondollRecords.com. And Facebook, there's a Blackboard, Blackboard Jungle. Jungle Band, yeah. Um, and do you have a, a personal... Tr- uh, Site you want people to go to like Twitter, or Facebook? Or? No, I'm good. I'm good right now. I'm good I right love now. It. I'm good I'm right anti-social now. Anti-social media. I really do. I, I and you know my friends, they all think that I'm on it and going sideways. But I, I, I just and it's not because I, I, I don't. I get sucked in, man. I it's hate like it. Looking at my old girl, it causes trouble. I hate it's social media. Trouble. Yeah, right. It's the worst. It's the worst. But. It's needed for com- comedy. It's. I mean, come but on. But even for bands. I mean, yeah, yeah, you I'm look gonna, at. Uh, oh, what. what I'm gonna tell you my idea. When we, when, 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 when I'm gonna tell you for the next when, when we put these mics down that I'll by the time I come back, I'll tell you my new idea. I, uh, you, you definitely, if you will come. Oh, back, I will. Um, I will. I will. But wait till you hear this this idea. It'll, I'm telling you. I mean, it, it's. I hate. Pe- you know, social media is like online panhandling. Yes. Yes. You know, especially with Kickstarter now, that is legitimate panhandling online. My favorite Kickstarter is when I know all these dudes that own their own studio and they do Kickstarter campaigns to fund their own album. Like, what the fuck is that? Why, I, who was it? It wasn't Dawkin, uh, but it was a band like Dawkin who said for 80000 you know, we could pump out a new record. Uh, and it's like, I don't know. I'm not very technologically savvy, but I know uh, just on the setup I have right now, you could probably release a CD. Yes. It might not. It's no Pro Tools. But, right, right. Uh my, my favorite Kickstarter is the Quiet Riot documentary. Dude, that was awesome, though. Great. You know, I, I thought toward the end it became almost a little too much about Frankie Benali. Why, why is every rock... Quick question. Please. Why, why is every rocker obsessed with Asian shit and, like, swords and shit? Right. Uh, and sushi. I, I mean, I like sushi, but they're all obsessed with Asian... Is it because the band, all our bands were so big over there? Uh, bigger there, and it reminds you... I don't know, but there's a... I think obsessed it's the weed. With, oh, okay, okay. But they, you know, you know how Kickstarter works. Yes. Like if Blackboard Jungle ever did a Kickstarter, it would be like, well, for ten dollars you get, uh, you know, Kenny and Britt to s- sign a CD. For a hundred dollars you get to write a song for you, you about your child and babysit. Quiet Riot's mm-hmm. documentary. Now they got it made, so it must have worked. Yeah. Uh, you know, for a hundred dollars you get uh, autographed uh, Chuck Wright, uh, you know, bass. Base, uh, I mean, the kid didn't want him to sign the album. Oh, I know. Who are you? I played on the album. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. That was the saddest part of the. But you know, for five hundred dollars, you got to go to the premiere. For a thousand dollars, you got uh, a letter from Kevin Dubrow's mom. But for ten thousand dollars, you got to actually be in the documentary, which is crazy to me. That someone like me, who has nothing to do with the band, if you had ten grand, uh, got to be in the documentary. So the next day, I started a Kickstarter 
to do a documentary on the guy who gave $10,000 to be in the documentary. Oh, did you really? That's amazing. Yeah, and I actually got money. I gave it back. Oh, that's amazing. Dude, that's amazing. But if you watch the documentary, which you have, there's a part toward the end of the documentary where they interview this fan, and it was went on for like five minutes, and it was like, why is this guy? This guy has nothing to do with anything. It's like, this is the guy who gave him tickets. Oh, that's amazing. So, uh, you Brent, know. Brent had me do, I did a cat club jam, which we did a... Uh, bathroom wall with his sin city sinners with frankie benali on drums and me on bass and i was like flipping out that it was like the drummer that i saw open up for iron maiden when i was a kid and just like and i was like flipping out and he just didn't give a fuck <laughs> yeah i mean i wanted to get him on the podcast but i i could just tell he would not like you've been on we're almost at two hours yeah. and i could go another hour yes, with you yes uh, and, and I'm very lucky. Most of the guests, except for one, which I'll tell you off air, okay. uh, you know, was a bit of a struggle. Uh, they get what I'm doing. They get yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. I, hopefully you found what I did respectful. You, see, you walk in here, you've earned your stripes. You're not fooling around. Nine layers deep. Well, I, you know, listen, uh, it, 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 being a comic or a podcaster or both, a musician, you know, having a podcast these days is a lot like being in a band in the oh, late yeah. 80s. Everyone says they're in a band. Right, right. Everyone has a podcast. And what I love about a podcast is I only deal with who I want to deal with. Exactly. But the bad thing about it is they are so simple to do that everyone can do it. So you have to stand out. Yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 it's hard to be yourself. Bill Burr said that great about comedians. And you can tell you that it's, it's hard to be yourself. The same guy you were in the lunchroom. That's the struggle. So just be yourself. And we're being ourselves. Not well, just, that's what I want this podcast to be. Uh, yeah. just, hopefully people listen. It's two guys talking. One guy a fan. One... One guy who was there, who did it, yeah, and uh, hopefully you like it. And uh, if you do, review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. It's just Inappropriate Earl. Britt's been an amazing guest. And this is the part where I usually say follow him on Twitter and Instagram. But he's outlaw. Oh, wow. <laughs> but go to iTunes, Blackboard Jungle. Uh, they've got some, I think, four records on there. Demon Doll Records. You can get uh, the Nikki Six shirt, or can they get that there? That, that's on the, um, the Facebook page. Facebook page, yeah. So look up uh, Blackboard Jungle, the band, on Facebook. And uh, this will be out uh, Monday. And uh, please, uh, I know Stevie will put it on Metal Sludge, share it and retweet it and all that shit. This is the panhandling I have to do. Fuck yeah. And let's expose Blackboard Jungle and Brett to the masses because he's coming back. And uh, my name is Earl. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's just Earl Skakel. If I have to spell my name for you now, 79 episodes in, I don't want you following me in the first place. But uh, thank you guys for the support. Thank Inappropriate you. Earl, episode 79. Done. Yeah. Free.